Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, what a phenomenal morning to you. Uh, it's the morning? I didn't notice. It seemed more like... Our the- podcast comes out at 4.20am <laughs> every Monday morning, <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. That's God's time zone. <laughs> Oh, you should if, know this. If only I could rewind the day back to <laughs> the, the morning and not experience all the feelings of anger and hostility I experienced today. That would have been nice. Y'all, it's been a day. Luckily, as as people are listening to it, uh, there's a great thing happening. Please share. What's the great yay? What happened? It, uh, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, there's still one more day to send me presents for my birthday. So maybe you should guys should get on that, actually. And uh, send me free things like reviewing this podcast. Probably that's a good that's a good present, man. That that's look good. at that. It's a good thing we're recording this so early, so you know, so much earlier than that, so I can send you something. Yes, definitely. <laughs> also, also, just for anyone who uh, who is in the market for it, I don't know this for sure, but on the family shared Amazon account that. The only people who will buy me birthday presents all use because we only pay for one prime because forget Jeff Bezos. But also, I mean, it, it's an everything store. So we're all kind of complicit in the problematic nature. You, you of can't the use the service. internet internet without using Amazon. It's it's impossible. So uh, please, what's on the gift? What's mean, on the gift list? All I know is that it's every uh, Hellboy library edition that Ooh. I don't have. And I know two of them are coming in, and I don't know who got them for me. Nice. I think it might be my wife. It. I don't know. I don't know why my why anyone else would buy Hellboy Library editions, but it'll be four and five. Uh, how many of those are there? Is it six? And then also in Hell. I have no idea. I I don't own any of in them. Hell, but in I Hell is to. its own. In Hell is its own one. Hold on. Yeah. yeah. Hellboy Library. Edition. I think there's only six. Oh man, because number six is sense. the Storm and the Fury, yeah. Bride of Hell, and others. There you go. And the Storm and the Fury is when uh, uh, the end of Hellboy happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing that happens at the end of Hellboy happens. It's the Storm and the Fury. Man, I love Hellboy. So I hope you get those. I hope they arrive safely and and in beautiful. I mean, uh, single. Somebody piece. got them for me. <laughs> somebody got them for me. I don't know. I don't know who. Um, and luckily, my wife, my wife, doesn't listen to this podcast, so she won't know if you guessed beforehand. It's a, it's like shaking the I Christmas mean, present. You'll, you'll, you'll there's, still there's be somewhat guessing, surprised. There's, there's guessing, and then there's getting Amazon notifications to your phone. <laughs> Alexa, also, maybe what a, getting what... a meat thermometer, or maybe someone oh. else is just in the market for a meat thermometer. Who knows? I, I could use a new one of those. Um, so at, speaking of gifts, who gave us the gift of these particular, uh, lineup of stories that we have this week? See, I was going to do something, uh, involving going <laughs> but, from Hellboys to ex-women. Um, okay. And it was going to take a while to get there, but I like your segue. 
and I assume Rob Flanagan, Patreon supporter, also liked your segue because Rob went over to patreon.com slash battle of the atom. Guys, yeah. this is a URL update. Finally Ooh. did it. Finally got off my high horse and did change it to battle of the atom. Uh, so you can go there now. If you had a previous pledge, it doesn't change. It's all back end stuff. It's all there. For the most part. Uh, but the old links don't work. Um, so click on the newer ones. Um, if you go to the Battle of the Atom Patreon, then you can uh, pledge at certain levels to, you know, have a whole episode of this show based around one of your suggestions, just like Rob Flanagan did with X-Women, written by our dad, Chris Claremont, uh, with art by Milo Manara. Oh, boy. All right. So before we get this episode started, I just want to take a moment uh, if you typically ever listen to our episodes on your commute, maybe you have a kid in the car. This is not the episode for them to be listening to. We are going to be having some frank conversations about sex. And, uh, you know, we, we have to just based on what the content is this week. So if uh, those that kind of content is not necessarily one you want blasting out of your speakers with uh, certain people in the room and or your vehicle, maybe plug in some headphones um, and there 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 will be some talk about sexual assault in this episode. I'm sorry to say so. Um, uh, and some other creepy stuff later on. So just just we're, we're just giving you a little bit of a buffer before we jump into um, X-Women, a title that has what I thought was, I, I believe you said no women working on it. I did find a woman that was working on this book, uh, and that is the woman who does the licensing for uh, Panini, who helped arrange the, uh, the illustrator <laughs> Milo Minara. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You have to look, you have to look real hard to find her name. Uh, Sarah Mattioli is her name. She's worked for over 15 years for Panini doing licensing deals. Um, obviously was, was key in, in hooking Manara up, uh, with, with Marvel for this particular, um, one shot and they spell her name wrong. They, they spell her name wrong. So, uh, anyway, Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about X-Women? So X-Women was a one-shot that came out in 2010, and it was specifically so that uh, Marvel could get uh, very famous artist Milo Minara uh, to draw one of their comic books. Uh, He's huge in Europe, uh, has been in the industry for years, and is well-known for um, erotica. Yeah. Is the right adult word. Yeah. He does – he does – very sexy butts is what he does. That, if you were to distill this book down to just one phrase, it would probably be looking butts, looking up at butts, because it's, it's butts. A, it's a lot this of one, you remember. You remember how there was a giant American comic book controversy about Milo Minara's drawing of Spider Woman's butt. I do. Uh, I do. I still remember. Um, I remember it's uh, a bad piece to be fair. That's not one of his bests. Listen, this, this artist is talented. I'm going to give him credit. He has, Milo Minara is incredibly great at what he specifically does. Yes. Yes. And what is he doing? Drawing some of our favorite superheroes. I'm just a little stymied about that part. 
Um, yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to steal a bit from uh, Jay and Miles X playing the X-Men. Kitty's young. We try not to sexualize her. <sighs> we, guys, this has got Storm. This has got Psylocke. This has got Rogue. This has got uh, Phoenix, a.k.a. Marvel Girl, a.k.a. Prestige. Rachel no. Summers. <laughs> Are we calling her Prestige. that still? Uh, we've also got a little white queen in here. Uh, uh, little yeah. cameo appearance and then, there. And then a uh, dominatrix named Baroness Keurig, Keurig oh who looks like the white queen. Um, Not confusing at all. I mean, honestly, the way Minera draws, you could confuse any of these characters because they all have the exact same body shape, relatively the same body height. Like, I... I I think it was the Claremont run Twitter account that was pointing out recently that, that Sylvester was very key in sort of homogenizing the body types of the X women. Whereas under JRJR, they had a lot of variety and this really takes that to another level. Like if you, if it weren't for like the stripes in rogues hair or, you know, the fact that uh storm is, uh, colored as an African-American woman, you could probably interchange some of these characters based on just their faces and their bodies. Milo Minara draws one butt, actually. I'm going to take all this back. <laughs> he draws one butt several times. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. It's... The plot isn't even worth going over, if we're going to be honest. It's 50 pages of the X-Women go on a beach vacation. They... And... Do a hijinks. Sure. Which is interrupted by the fact that this Baroness character has abducted the White Queen and is apparently going to use her and Rachel to do some sort of psychic shenanigans. So the X-Women have to... Not really clear on that one. I'm going to be honest. The the X-Ladies here have to go and uh, infiltrate this base with the help of... How how would you describe these scavenger folks that are helping them out that that are kind of like this commune that lives in the middle of a jungle um they're they are like uh two european vacationers who look at you and they you aren't sure if they are trying to steal your money or ask you to swing with them and you're like i don't know maybe <laughs> well, and of course because it's storm storm is lusted after by the uh sort of uh air captain who brings down airplanes out of the sky and um it's really all of it is just an excuse to put these characters in skimpy costumes have them climb in odd positions up and down vines a lot that seems to be a real recurring theme um and hold on tentacly vine things that women are around adam Adam, are you sure this is a Christopher Claremont comic? Well, it sounds almost if you if you look at the afterward by Casada, it almost looks like they had to kind of like con Claremont into doing this book, and it was only because Monero was doing it that he acquiesced and joined in the fun. Yeah, fun's fun's an interesting word. This is closer to the Bill Jemis uh, sort of fun from that era of Marvel than I would expect from Joe Casada. Um, again, Milo Minara, incredibly talented artist, uh, incredibly, like, respected for what he does. What he does is that single butt a lot, and 
That's all this comic is. It's 50 pages of one butt. And that's not a satisfying read. I what? feel I feel weird I feel weird having the X-Men drawn as erotica, especially when if you're going to do a book called X-Women and you are going to do a book called X-Women only by men on the creative team. Yes. As you so rightly pointed out, there was one whole woman. And that was just a licensing in this. Uh, person from Panini. So all of the creative team is, is all male. So if you're going to have that and going to call the book X women and you are going to draw it as erotica and you are going to do all of that and then ask, man, why aren't there more women in comics? Why do we have a culture problem here, folks? Do we have do we have an issue where we are using our female IP, these strong, powerful superhero women, and only using them for the boners of our youths? Do you think we have a problem, folks? Because I think that's like I think that's a red flag that's just worth worth looking into comics as a whole. I, I think, you know, to extend upon this, I what I found confusing about this book is just, who is it for? You know, if you are a... Man, I can if, tell you exactly I, it's for. I know, but, but I, I want to break this down for a second. If you are a... a break it down. If you're a Manara down, fan, Adam. you can go and seek out his work. And it's actually going to be provocative. It's actually going to be honestly sexual. It's not going to be this sort of like light touch of, you know, innuendo and, and costuming and like pants sort of on and falling off kind of stuff. It's going to be sexy in a way that you probably want the book to be. And this is not going to be that, you know, Mm -hmm. and the, the writing of this book also feels very much like, uh, you know, Marvel style. I mean, you get, at least I did. I got the impression that in at least several places, Chris Claremont was sort of catching up with Monero with the script. Like he wasn't quite sure how to even explain how something was happening in a panel or why this person was like in some sort of weird 69 position with another character for really no like logical without the explicit tag. Can we use that? I don't know. I mean, I gave the content warning, like this is stuff that's in this book and Right. It's, it's happening. Like, you know, and don't get me wrong. There are elements of this book that I feel are almost akin to sort of like the John Bolton X-Men vignette type stuff, you know, like there, there's almost a little, little, um, element of that in, in this, the way it's told, the way it's more artist centric but at the same time it's an excuse for marvel to use an artist in a way that he can't actually flex what he's supposed to flex you know what i mean like so all he can do is put the characters into these skimpy uh you know skirts and like do the upskirt shots over and over and over again and it's i just don't i don't get it but i don't you know i'm i'm not the audience for this book yeah, because Adam, you're you're not old, but you are older than I am. 
And I'm not going to say anything else except for that I am currently 28 uh, as you listen to this. Yes. So, to to put that in perspective, when this book came out 10 years ago, I probably wasn't even the target audience for it at 18. Because at 18, I don't have to lie about what age I am when I go to the uh, very safe uh, adult websites on these internets. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you, like, you, you might assume that a book like this comes out at the same time as like the lad mag craze. You know what I mean? Like the 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 years where it was like you know teenage boys buying Maxim and FHM. Do you remember those magazines from like years ago? You, yes, I do. You know, I do. but do like, you know, but, do you know what would if this book came out in the '90s? That's what I'm saying. Like it would be like yeah comics oh wizard magazine right hubba hubba I I just but did two thousand came out in two thousand ten right and the access to actual pornography is such that there is no real reason for this book to exist because you can go and go read Manara's actual stuff or do whatever else you want to do. Right, right, right. right. Hey, this is a weird thing that our X-Men podcast has started to is about about access to pornography over time. That's why I gave the content warning. I said it at the beginning of the episode. This is a weird one, folks. This is is not anti-sex. No. This is not anti-horny. Nope. This is not anti-any of that stuff. Do not get it twisted. So we are... We are not saying any of that is bad. We are saying that this is a weird way to go about it and probably not something that Marvel Comics, the uh, the company that licenses out its characters to put on my child's underwear, um, my four-year-old's underwear, probably not what they should be doing with their intellectual property. And it feels weird that they are. Yeah, I, I don't think in 2020 that anybody at Marvel is like rushing out to go find, you know, the, the, the most amazing, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, when was the spider woman cover? That wasn't that long ago. Right. I mean, this is better than that one spider woman cover. Yeah, no, there's, there's some, like, he's good at drawing there is artistic merit in this. He, there is. Yes. From a, from a cold calculating perspective, there is artistic merit because he is a good artist. I don't love the subject matter. I don't think that this artist fits what they're trying to do. This is a weird, sexy anime filler issue. And we I don't have much more to say except for that I'm oddly conflicted about the fact that this book's weird and how to say that in a sex-positive way. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that I really have any enormous problems with this book. I just don't. I don't have moral issues. I'm more confused about its existence when. Yes. Right. That like it it doesn't seem like we as an X-Men podcast should be talking about this artist's work in conjunction with the characters and the storytelling that we are used to talking about. Now, that is not to say that X-Men is not on the regular in Claremont's run. Sexual innuendo sure it's all there but fetishy fetishy Fetishy? absolutely we're gonna get into that in a minute um 
and clothes being blown off. I mean, obviously, like, it's all there. But this is trying to, like, toe this line of turning subtext into, like, in your face, here's some butts. And it's like, I don't know, guys. Like, if you can't actually drive to Buntown, like, and you're driving around Buntown, why are you trying to take us to Buntown? Because this let's is... rank this dang comic. Yes. Adam, we rank comics on this podcast. Can we rank this one? Yeah. How many? How many comics? Bumptown? How many comics do we have on our giant list, Zach? Guys, we're ranking every X Men comic from the dawn of existence to the dawn of X. Um, we have 384 comics on our list. The number one is the Dark Phoenix Saga. That's the darkest of all the Phoenix Sagas. Uh, number 100 is the End of Grays, where the Dark Phoenix Saga kind of comes back to bite them in the bum. Uh, number 200 is the start of the Purple Era of X-Force. Number 300 is uh, X-Men Operation Zero Tolerance. And 384 is the Draco. I know you haven't read it. I think this is not as good as the X-Men issue of Operation Zero Tolerance at 300. Yeah, I think this is much more akin to like a really weird artifact, almost like... Where's Heroes for Hope on this list? That's a great question. Hold on. Um, Heroes for Hope is at 332. Yeah, like, this is this is a s- similarly, like, odd, strange, let's put, car- like, creators together that probably don't belong together, you know, <laughs> get them in the same room and make them, you know, do something that's, that's you know, that, I, but I think, what do you think? Is this better or worse than Heroes for Hope? I think Heroes for Hope tells a more coherent story okay. than this. Because I can explain what happens in Heroes for Hope, even if it's kind of dumb. All right. So, working Here's my way. At three. At 345, we have X-Men Survival Guide to the Mansion, which is the opposite of sexual. It's technical documents. Yeah, and that's dumb in a different way, but I would definitely be revisiting it's... that. Like, that's that's an, another one that's just, like, kind of a weird artifact of its time. I don't know what the time is. That's You know what I mean? Like, this seems Here's like... Here's the difference. I think, they are, I think they are equally dumb. Yes. But if someone comes over to my house... I'd be like, oh my gosh, take a look at this. Look, it's all of the <laughs> schematics for the X-Mansion. Isn't this a great story? No, Zach, that's not what narrative is. And I'd say, shut up. Don't look at this porn comic that I have on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, you're not taking It's not X- actual pornography. It's not, but you're not it's, taking it off the shelf and being like. soft titillation yeah. at best. You're not like, hey, check this out. Um, okay. Is this. So we're saying Survival Guide is better, correct? I think Survival Guide's a better comic I, book than this. I don't think this is worse than X-Men Forever by Fabian Iciesa and Kevin Nolan. I think this one's better than that, though. I do, too. Um, just from a craft perspective, um, I think another good comparison might be Psylocke and Archangel Crimson Dawn, which does a lot of sexualization of its characters. Um, you know, Psylocke is sort of twisted and turned into a variety of ungodly positions there as well salvador um, la roca also likes butts yeah so better or worse than crimson dawn i would say 
I have no strong feelings on the matter. I think we are <laughs> in the right spot because at 354 we have Onslaught, and I think Onslaught is better than this, which is, again, wild. Yeah. But we have four stories right in a row. Spider-Man and X-Factor Shadow Games, Psylocke and Archangel Crimson Dawn, X-Men Liberators, and Magneto Rex. And I feel like all of those are of equal, the same, weird, bad quality. So I would argue that X-Women either goes right below Onslaught at 355, above those four stories, or right below those four stories, above Young X-Men number seven, which is like a nothing. I'm going to say... That it should dangle on a vine right below Onslaught at our new 3055. What do you think? I'm fine with that. I'm <laughs> fine with that. All right. And now we never have to talk about it again. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to talk about it oh, so many my times. God. Yeah. Um, anyway, if you, if you guys liked hearing two dudes talk about the representation of women in comics... Uh, so far, well, buckle up, buckaroo, because we've got two more stories, and they only have more problematic elements as we go. Yeah, that, guys, that was, like, the fun one. The... That was the one where we got to make butt jokes and talk about <sighs> where you can find your pornography. Yes. Um, unfortunately, this next story also is written by Chris Claremont, illustrated by, no, I don't know of anybody's favorite, uh... <laughs> Sometime new X-Men artist Igor Cordy. Not 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 my favorite artist. Uh what is this story? I, I try and give him I try and give Cordy a pass on New X-Men because he was famously rushed on those issues. Oh sure. And it's not listen, his his stuff had there's a couple of things here where I was like, Oh, that's kind of a cool layout and this, that, and the other thing. So Okay, but he's He's a workhorse. He's whew. a workhorse. He's here to get paid. Damn right. Um, What's this story? It's from Extreme X-Men. This is from Extreme X-Men 36 to 39. Storm the Arena. The Arena? Where have I... Zach, haven't I heard of, of arena-based combat in X-Men before? Yeah, it's called the XFL. Uh, it was a... Uh, <laughs> it's a combination of the XFL and Arena Football, the AFL, the Arena Football League. I think you might remember it. Um they combined one time in the mid 2000s and said, we are going to do just, we're going to call it the arena It's Vince's idea. Vince McMahon, <laughs> chairman of the XFL. He was very into this idea. And he said, we're going to do some very good football. We are still going to do it in arenas, but also we are going to have the players punch, punch each other a la the video game NFL blitz, but we are going to do it in small domes in B cities that don't have their own professional football team so that people can cheer for, I don't know, the Las Vegas Raptors or whatever. Las Vegas has two – has a no, they just have the one. They have a football team now, so I can't make that joke. What the heck? Didn't they just try and bring the XFL back? Like They did in the Rona. The Rona killed yeah, it. Yeah, very bad timing. I was thinking more about, like, the arena-based combat and, like, Beauty and the Beast, maybe? Or New or Mutants, Or New Mutants perhaps? when it comes back. Uh, because this storyline involves Storm going to have uh, some some clubbing good times with her good friend Yukio in Tokyo. Um, and unfortunately, you love me some Yukio. she gets drawn into uh, a gladiatorial underground fight club, which I want to be straight up. If that was just what this story was about, fine. But that is... Unfortunately, not where this story goes. 
So Storm gets really good at fighting because she's Storm from the X-Men. Oh, yeah. She starts off as being really good at fighting and, and jumps in to save... Also, this is, this is Chris Claremont Storm, so she's perfect at everything. Yep. Which, everyone has a hard time riding Storm, and as as many issues as this comic is... Like, this this feels like what Storm would do in this situation. I feel like Chris Claremont's got... He's the only person who has a beat on what Storm would actually do at a given situation. And Storm would be like, no, I want to be the best at a fighting thing now. Yeah. I'm already a queen and a goddess and a master thief. I've led the X-Men a time or two. I, I just... Can, can I just vibe in this fighting arena? Man, more people should just have stories about Storm... Just succeeding at everything. Yeah, um, that's cool. I'd be cool with that. Uh, All great. Unfortunately, we have an added layer to this because the the added conflict of the story is not just that Storm is uh, a champion within this this uh, gladiator arena. Um, unfortunately, Mask has uh, come up with a scheme to control the arena in all of its permutations around the globe. And uh, it basically enslaves Storm, has mutated Callisto into a tentacle monster, and perceives... Which Callisto is now cool with. Right. She's like, wasn't a great choice, Mask, um, but I, I do love my tentacle arms. Sure. So, maybe a weird choice, but okay. Um, where this gets very, very dicey, is that while Storm is enslaved by Mask, she is being tortured on a nightly basis by two characters. One is Purge, and one is Paradise. And Purge is basically, like, torturing her, and Paradise... Regular torture, like, ow, I'm in pain. Right. And Paradise is sexually assaulting her on a nightly basis. With her power, so clear, which is to be to be yes, yeah, her power is essentially comic, to torture people with orgasm, pleasure. Yep. Hey, hey, all those things you've listed—the arena and all that stuff—comes from Beauty and the Beast. The tentacle arms Claremont did with Jean in a weird thing. Mask also gave them to her. By the way, we're not talking about this. Mask just, like, transitions in this uh, series. Uh, Mask Mask is living as a woman in this series, and more power to her. Um, it's great. No one misgenders Mask in this entire one, so that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, g- great. Nice little, nice little thing there. Good for you, Mask. Live your truth. Um... The orgasm torture does also happen in X-Men versus Micronauts, but to a teen? Chris, you did a bad one here. You did it bad in the 80s, and everyone told you no. But you did it again. Yeah. Well, we... And that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, and, um, you know, we are... I, I, I As I mentioned earlier, X-Men, especially under Claremont, has a, a very strong uh through line of sexuality you know it's not as if it's not there we don't want to you know say that it shouldn't be because it is definitely a part of the history of the book um this particular specifically specifically claremont's x-men 
has a lot of BDSM uh, stuff in it. Sure. I mean, we just were a lot. We were just lot, talking about. Lot. We just talked about Die by the Sword last week, and that fetishy is all canon. That had you know Rouge Moore in it, which is you know a fetish costumed character. This particular arc of Extreme the X Extreme X Men is like page for page, all of Chris Claremont's like kinky fetish stuff on display. Let's not let's not let's not say they're Chris Claremont's, even though. Chris Claremont's, these are Chris. I mean, he wrote the story. What we can say, what we can say is real journalists, Adam. I look, we have no evidence in front of us that this is what, you know, raises Chris's temperature. What we can say is Chris Claremont has a lot of very recurring, very specific sexual images and sexual accessories that he likes to use time and time again during the entirety of his career as a creator. And if one were to infer anything about him from those things, I mean, that would be, that would be, that would be something you could definitely say with some level of understanding about the situation. I, yeah, that was a very (laughs) tactful way of putting what is Issue after issue of, you know, leather wrapped, chained up, gagged, it's a lot of sex gagged people. Um, there is a ball gag in this. Yes. Yeah. Like not even not even like a secret technology that happens to look like a ball gag. This one's just a ball gag. Yeah. So and what Chris Claremont wants to do in his own bedroom is perfectly fine between two or more consenting adults. I have no problem, Christopher. You do what you want. It's a weird thing to do to your characters in a story, again, about the characters for the company that makes children's underwear. (laughs) Well, you you know, okay. And birthday supplies. I don't want to draw a line in the sand and say that, like, the stories can't go to somewhere just because they also... You know, we're in an animated series. You know what I mean? Agreed. They made a RoboCop animated series. This. I just, what, what the problem is with this particular story <laughs> is not the the sexiness or the, the goal of Storm to, you know, be the champion as part of of um, this, this arena combat. The, the problem lies essentially in the fact that, that Storm is doing, or excuse me, is that what is done to Storm is akin to what we were very critical about in books like uh, uh, Phantom X Max. Uh, we were critical of it with Legacy of Fire, and that is that there there does appear to be elements here where the character is literally being sexually assaulted, and then it's brushed off later on in the story as if nothing ever happened, and that's problematic. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great at all. It's not good either. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've had uh, some conversations online about these stories, and uh, some people have told me that I'm I'm kink shaming Claremont here. And Adam's about to get on his soapbox. It's it's not kink shaming. We're not talking about there being any problem with expressing his sexuality in this way the issue is when the character is being forced to do things that are non-consensual and you know literally 
one of the 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 preview texts for for the following issue is the the title for the upcoming story is slaves it that's that's what it's called they put the word slaves next to storm's head you know and it's like man that's an x-men first class level of on the noseness um, how did you how did you miss that aspect of the story that she is not in control in in okay, being so... chained up in the basement by mask so it's all bad. I think I think it comes down to a very a very salient point that if you are going to include sexual assault in your story, you should probably take it out and then see if the story works and see if you can replace it with literally anything else. And unless your story is about sexual assault as a whole and that is additive to everything that's going on in it and it's a story that's specifically on that. And like, you're trying to say something about that. Maybe you just shouldn't do that to storm from the X-Men, Christopher. Yeah. You know what? Like, let's take a look at the scene. That's, that's a, that's a hard line in the sand. I'm willing yeah. to draw. Like maybe don't do that to storm from the X-Men. You want to get you, you're, you're, you're sitting around with your, your word processor, your, your typewriter, whatever it is you write on your, your laptop. And you're like, let's get pervy. Okay, let's take a look at the last page of this four-issue story where we have Storm, Yukio, and Callisto with all of her tentacle parts chilling naked in a hot tub. <laughs> cool. I believe Yukio is wearing a string bikini. You know what though? Fair, like, yes. cool. Go for it. That's great. If you want to be, if you want to be horny, cool. There... Let's let's take that subtext and be like. Let's, what's the what's the most explicit we can make subtext before right. it's text? We need to find that line, and we're going to push right up there because this is Marvel in the year 2004. Uh, so it's the best they could do, I guess. So that good stuff like that is mixed in with the bad stuff like a lot of the rest. Yeah. And that's you, you can't, that makes this a weird one. Yeah, you can't have the, the level of degradation that goes on in some of the scenes in this particular arc. And then at the end of the story, have storm wax poetic about how much she loved the experience. It it's incongruous and it's just wrong. Uh, it's, it is like, if, if that's where you want to go with the story, it needs to be told differently. And that element of it, uh, that element of consent, that element of, of being entrapped by another human being is just, it can't be there. Um, let's rank this so I never have to look at it again. Cause this is like, t- again, again, if, if it's on the list, we will run into I know. it again. Uh... Um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out, I'm going to throw out something. Yeah, go ahead. At number 371, we have another comic that is weirdly sexual, like, but in a bad way. Um, and that's uncanny X-Men 508 to 511 sisterhood. I and and right below that is Prisoner of Love and way too on the nose, honestly. Yeah, um, I I think this is worse than both of those. Which one's New Mutants fifty six to fifty eight? Uh, that is Bird Brain. Oh yeah, screw that. No, no. It's, 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 I think bird brain's worse. I just had a, I just had a, <laughs> I just had an involuntary reaction to that bird brain arc where this Chris Claremont one honestly feels like Chris didn't think through what he was doing all too much. 
yeah. and the bad implications of it. Also, that story's just – I know we harped on the elements of the story. The actual story is kind of nonsense. Storm's characterized well in general. Uh, the whole arena plot just goes nowhere, and Chris Claremont – introduces his late Claremont one new character one or two new characters who do one power thing and then never show up again. Yeah. Uh did I mention that Guido is Guido is in this story? And let me tell you the crew Oh yeah, Strong Guy's around. The creator of Strong Guy should probably know how to write Strong Guy a little better than this. <laughs> no he doesn't. Listen, listen. <laughs> Everything we love about Strong is Guy is from Peter David. It comes from Peter David and Bill Sinkevich with that design. Yeah. That's it. That's true. Chris Claremont didn't do the strong guy. All right. I'm going to suggest that this is our new 373. Put it in between Prisoner of Love and put it above Hyperstorm. Hyperstorm does suck in different, less problematic ways. Yeah, but just just dumb. Also, there are are moments in scenes from Extreme X-Men Storm the Arena that I like. Mm -hmm. There are... There are ideas, there are moments, there are elements. Hyperstorm bad. Hyperstorm Hyperstorm bad. Hyperstorm, Hyperstorm Hill bad. Pirates. Um <laughs> All right. Uh you said Oh you, my gosh, this episode's so long out we're already we're already at 40 minutes. I know. Oh no. It's okay. <laughs> we still have to talk about one more though and you said you wanted to give a quick disclaimer before we got to this one, is that right? Yeah, the last one we're doing is X-Men Volume 4, 1 through 3. It's called Primer. It's from the all-ladies X-Men team. I say all-ladies as a IP standpoint and a character standpoint, not creatives. Because uh, the, uh, the artist on this is Oliver Koipel, who's great. Uh, Laura Martin does the colors. Uh, Mark Morales does the inks. Brian Wood writes this. Brian Wood has several allegations from several pros about sexual misconduct he has uh he's a sex creep and you shouldn't support his work is is kind of kind of where it comes down to there's a lot hey this is coming out on uh or this is being recorded on tuesday june what's today 23rd um the last week has just been an unveiling of sex creeps throughout comics and wrestling and the video games industry in just so many different places. Um, so my tolerance for sex creeps at an all time low, which is a great time to talk about this Brian Wood comic. First thing I want to say, Adam, very pretty art, very pretty art. Oliver Koypel's great, right? Beautiful, beautiful artwork. Um, this also has uh, Shogo and, um, I like Jubilee Shogo stuff. Um, That's true. This is the start of the Jubilee Shogo stuff. Shogo's Jubilee's child. He's a dragon now, guys. I love it. I love it. It's very good. Um, it's very good. Uh, this is actually... I love the cast. The cast I is fantastic. I the cast. This is Wolverine in the X-Men is, era, so we're, we're at the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning. In the cast, the main characters, Storm, awesome. Shadowcat, awesome. Rogue, mm-hmm. Psylocke. Marvel Girl slash Phoenix X Prestige. <laughs> Not Prestige yet. <laughs> and Jubilee. Uh, Jubilee's there too. This is a great cast. Uh, I remember when this book was coming out, I got excited when I heard about it. I didn't know nothing about the creators at the time. Um, except for that Oliver Coypels does pretty art. Um, the cast rules. Yeah. And I remember looking at it. It's like there was a bunch of press about how this was an all-women X-Men team. 
And I was like, okay, yes. Also, this is just a damn good X-Men team. <laughs> like It's a great lineup. It's a great lineup. They made This is this is an incredible lineup. They made a huge deal about this in the in lead up to it that this was like, you know, the first time they were doing this and blah 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 blah. And even then I think it struck me as so strange that they did not tap uh, a, a talented woman writer to to do this book. It, it seems so strange. This was 2013 at Marvel. Give Kelly Sue DeConnick the book and say, "Go, go to town. You just made Ms. You just made Captain Marvel into a movie franchise for us. Thank you very much. Please, right here, write the most amazing like combo of X characters. Do you think? Do you think Fraction would have pulled her aside when she got that offer and said, if she would have ever got that offer and say, Kelly, honey, I love you. You're great and talented, and this would be awesome for your career." Do you really want to write X Men? Because have you met X Men fans? Because I did X Men for a while and it sucked. Uh, well, I am curious how a different writer would have um, how, would have done this book because it is interesting to me that uh, given who wrote this, that the the plot line of Primer is essentially that there is uh, a sister to Sublime, so. There is a primordial, sublime? there's He's a the primordial the masculine X-Men. and female energy, right? And that female energy is coming to destroy the earth. And it's going to Archaea. Yeah, Archaea. Is it Archaea? Archaea. I anyway. Hitch has arrived. It's with, only in words. I don't know. I don't know. They didn't say it. Hitch has arrived with Shogo. Do you have a voice comic? Yeah. <laughs> Hitches a ride with Shogo, uh, hijacks Karima Shandipar, uh, who is in the inside Beast's lab, uh, basically shuts down the uh, entire Jean Grey school and then zombifies a, a hospital. hospital full of amputees electronically. Yeah, so the plot goes off the rails. I'm going to be honest. I remember liking this when it came out. uh, And I'm realizing that how much I liked it was based on wanting to like this very good cast a lot. And thinking Oliver Coypel's art was pretty. Because Brian Wood's plot here is absolute nonsense. Brian Wood does nonsense plots on adjectiveless X-Men before this. His next two plots on this book are nonsense. The only good X-Men thing he's ever written is Ultimate Comics X-Men, and that's going to be a challenging conversation when we get Mm. to it. I hope it holds up. I remember it being good. Again, bolstered Uh, by – that's Art Adams on there, right? No. uh, Oh, I'm thinking of a different uh, one. You're thinking of of, – Ultimate X? Ultimate Ultimate X, yes. Sorry. Which is Jeff Loeb in Art Adams. This is, for the most part, Mahmoud Asrad. Oh, okay. Uh, Mah- Mahmoud Asar. Mahmoud Asar. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, which means it's pretty. Yeah. It means it's real Look, pretty. This this story is is kind of a nothing thing. I mean, I I I feel like Wood is trying to pull his own sort of Grant Morrison here. He's like, oh, because he's using Jonathan Sublime. Well, Grant Morrison's weird evil bacteria. He's not even just using Sublime. He's also pulling a Morrison in that it's an evil twin. Right. You know, it's it's sort of like a moment dry or whatever that word was. Um, but 
the you know i remember enjoying this uh if only for the jubilee shogo stuff um rereading it i don't think it reads as well um that's not to uh insult koi pell at all his his artwork here is absolutely gorgeous um it's i just don't know i mean it it seems like just another maybe random arc from jason aaron's wolverine and the x-men i i wish it stood out a little bit more and and had more going on than like hey let's go stop a train and oh they 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 stole the omega sentinel like there's interesting elements here i i just wish that more was going on with this awesome cast yeah me too it's there's so much potential for this cast with this artist i mean there are there are incredibly talented female artists out there. Do not get it twisted. Oliver Coypel is also talented, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he's an, he's an A list guy. So I understand the editorial mindset for putting a you know an event artist on this. Sure, I get that. I get having Brian Wood a heck of a lot less because even even at his peak, he wasn't that big of a name. Mm-hmm. He did he did DMZ, and that's about it. Uh, it so does seem odd. It's it's weird. This book's just it's a waste of potential. I was actually really disappointed going back to it because I remembered it being better and it wasn't. It's 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 bland. Um, it's bland. You know, it should be better. It should be better. This should like, be better. Like I'm thinking Point back. Great to... action, but the action that he draws that's cool is rogue stopping a train by herself. Right. Right. That's it. Like, like there's a lot of potential with, uh, with the Archaea character, but it's not really capitalized upon because the things that Archaea controls are either off screen or they are like hospital patients. So yeah, they're not that super exciting. All right. I think Shogo's good. Shogo's great. Thank you for bringing Shogo into this world. This arc. Let's let's rank this. It, let's rank this Shogo forever. Uh, Jubilee Mom forever, but uh, where's this going? I mean, it's still the best story we talked about this episode, like, <laughs> by a lot. Um, at number three hundred is uh, Operation Zero Tolerance X Men. I think this is better than that. Yeah, um, I think it's better than that Captain America Cyclops story from AVX. Okay, that's a two seventy six. But I think it's around the same territory. Because uh, it's not better than 234, uh, the A-plus X story with Iron Fist and Dupe and Loki and Sinister. No, I wouldn't go nearly that high. In fact, I was looking back down um, around 271. We have uh, Uncanny 401 to 406, which is X-Core. I think we're about on the same I level. I like this better than X-Core. Okay. I like this better than X-Core. I like this better than District X uh, at 267, a book that... Felt bad when we talked about it initially and has aged just like Ugh, Not a good one. Um, it's not good. Bishop shouldn't be a cop and his, his partner shouldn't be a dirty murderous cop who kills civilians and gets away with it. And no one says anything about that or abusing his wife. Mm. It's weird that that book never addresses those very salient details. Um, District X. It's what happens when you're trying to mimic anti-hero storylines from the FX channel. Um, <laughs> listen, 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 listen. 
Michael Chiklis is my shield. Thank you very much. He is, I meant to say my the thing, but I thought about the show he did, Shield. No relationship to S H I E L D. You can spell. I believe in you. S H I E L D. It's late. We've been going long here. This is not as good. I did a spelling bee once and I was out in the first dang round. I'm not a good speller. This is not as good as 263 Bishop's Crossing. Um, I don't think it is it's even. It's not as good as Songs of the Orphan. No, Child. it's not. That's a two sixty four. So is this better than? I I think that Gambit arc was better than this too. Girl School from Heck is on the same level, I think, yep. but for different reasons. I want to put it below Girl School. From Let's Heck. do it. Girl Power. Well, I mean, it'd be girl. It would be effectively utilizing girl power if it empowered literally any human woman uh, in any of these stories. Really, uh, I believe. I believe grand total of two people involved in the uh, creative process. Laura Martin did the colors on this last one, and then I'm blanking on her name. Uh, but there was an editor, uh, one of the three editors on Extreme uh, X Men. Yes, a book that I'm sure no one actually wanted to edit because Oof. no one wants to be like. Hey Chris, you're not the you're not the tops that you were before, and we've got to give you some oh, notes. But man. I understand it's very hard for you to hear criticism of X Men, <laughs> of your thoughts of X Men. But professionally, we do have to. Oh boy, man! I geez, that was Papa that was Chris. very nicely put. Uh, all right, we did it. Um, thank you for for sticking with us. We know we we were a little long winded, but there was a lot to deconstruct this episode, wasn't there? <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot to unpack, and we didn't have time to unpack all no. of it. But dang it, we tried. Adam, where can people find you unpacking? Folks, things? you can always follow my unpacking at uh, Arthur Stacy on Twitter. And uh, Zach, where can people follow you unpacking things? Uh, people can unpack my my stuff at Xavier Files. It's the latest and greatest for uh, you know right now, as of today, X Men news and Marvel Marvel stuff. Um, Maybe maybe let's let's keep an eye on this. Yeah. See what else we talk about in the near future? Very exciting. Let's uh let's keep an eye on that one. Hey, uh, you can also go uh where this podcast is hosted and tweeted about at Xavier Files on Twitter. That sounds it. good. That's it. That's where I'm at. Patreon, if you want to be, thank you, thank you, Mister Flanagan, for making us talk about this bad thing. Thank you, Rob, that you made us do. <laughs> Thank you so much. If you want to be like him, patreon.com slash battle of the atom. It's where we fight atoms um, in, in gladiatorial arenas. We fight, we fight this specific atom all the time. I, I like to think that battle of the atom as a title has only grown in relevance as you and me argue on this podcast. <laughs> Great. Uh, what are we going to argue about next week? Uh, you ever watch Casablanca? You ever watch the Maltese Falcon? You ever you ever watch movies that Humphrey Bogart did? I love them. Where he wore a fedora. I love them. Sounds very noir. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about some noir stuff. Um, but until then, guys, this has been Bow the Atom. Hope you survived the experience. Get it!